Welcome to Meet the Leader, a podcast where top leaders share how they're tackling the world's toughest challenges. Today's leader, Valerie Beaulieu. She's the chief sales and marketing officer to recruitment giant Adeco Group. She'll talk about talent scarcity and what leaders and job seekers need to keep in mind this year. Subscribe to Meet the Leader on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And please take a moment to rate and review us. I'm Linda Lucina from the World Economic Forum, and this is Meet the Leader. When you have to cope with a world that is in constant transformation, you need to adjust your organization all the time. You have to make sure that your people have the skills and that in turn, organization will be successful to deliver on their outcomes. There's likely been no shortage of high profile layoffs in your newsfeed, but don't let that distract you from what is, in many sectors, still a very tight labor market. The ability to get the right talent in the right places will continue to be a challenge, especially given the range of disruptions likely ahead, including a potential global economic downturn. At the 2023 annual meeting in Davos, I talked to Valerie Beaulieu of Adeco Group, one of the world's largest providers of staffing and talent solutions. She broke down for me why this scarcity is here to stay and how leaders and teams will need to be nimble as they upskill existing staff to match shifting needs. She also talked about the opportunity that is available for workers who can match their talents to a changing market. She'll talk about all of this, including how an early career foray into journalism helps her ask big questions, dig into data, and get a head start into teasing out labor trends. But first, I'll let her get us started with a definition of talent scarcity. I think it's the simplest definition you might think about. Talent scarcity is the fact that you have more work and more jobs to offer than you can find people to take this job. So let's start with a very, very simple definition here. What's going to be important uh, for leaders to understand about talent scarcity in the year ahead? I believe that for leaders, there are really three things they need to think about. First, uh, talent scarcity is here to stay. Let's start with the obvious, with the, obviously the age pyramid um, and more people leaving the workforce than people entering the workforce. This is a situation that we have to adjust and rethink about. And I believe that the second thing is um, talent scarcity is not only about filling jobs. It's also about making sure that you fill the jobs with the right qualification and the right people. And that links to the second thing, which has been a very big theme in uh, Davos this year, which is skills and reskilling, upskilling, and making sure that you assess the skills that you have in your organization and how you need to evolve them to the next level. And I think this is also a big, big topic. And then I think the third topic is about care, because um, a lot of the research that we've done on talent scarcity and retention mechanism is about making sure that you develop a relationship with your employees where they will be able to feel that uh, they can come with their old self at work and they can really find their own purpose in doing the work with you. So three, three elements that I believe leaders need to think about when it comes to talent scarcity. And I think it was an interesting point that you made that, you know, hey, scarcity is here to stay. Let's talk a little bit about that, because I think that a lot of people have felt that uh, as the pandemic moved on, that, oh, that was over, that there was this this thing that would get over this mountain and then all of these this world would just like an on and off switch. <laughs> these things would be gone. What's needed to recalibrate um, for a world that is always going to be sort of pushing forward where you're not maybe always going to have enough, whatever that is. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. I think. Uh... Um, what we realized with the pandemic is that the rapid succession of crisis, um, we starting with the pandemic and then we had the uh, supply chain issues that were immediately after the pandemic. Then we have this unfortunate uh, 
and, and awful uh, war in, in Ukraine, and now the inflation that ensues. So the rapid succession of crises are just giving us the signals that we live in that world that is in constant transformation. And when you have to cope with a world that is in constant transformation, you need to adjust your organization all the time. And when you say you have to adjust your organization all the time, you have to make sure that your people have the skills to be successful in this new organization and that in turn, organization will be successful to deliver on their outcomes. So that's how I see uh, the world that we are in. And if you add the digital transformation, the acceleration of the trends on digital and automation uh, that are not there to slow down either when you look at uh, or when you uh, read the papers on, you know, chat GPT and all that is coming here, this will profoundly transform the work. And so I think this talent scarcity is also another way of talking about this constant adjustment of skills that we need in the workplace. What are these skills that uh, we need to be adjusting for? What would they be? Well, I think one of the things that we should say uh, on the back of my example on the digital transformation is that digital skills are table stakes. And so no matter which role you have, having a minimum digital savviness will be expected. So I think it's also a message for uh, workers, uh, all of us, employees around the world. We need to make sure that we have this minimum digital savviness in our own line of business. So I believe these are the kind of the the minimum and and the the skills that are making a a very big difference for the future uh, output. Um, For the rest, I think it will be dependent on the reorganization of uh, of the work. Uh, If you think about the automotive industry, we have a number of clients in the automotive industry. You can see that uh, the big topic at hand is around sustainability and how do you transform an automotive industry which was very much fossil fuel uh, anchored to becoming more electrified. So that's what at stake for the automotive industry today. But it will be different for life science, where it's all about personalized medicine and personalized care. And so I think that all these things show that there is no one size fits all, but it's more about looking at the specific skills for the outcome that you're looking for in your own industry. And if you're a worker and you hear, oh gosh, talent scarcity, you know, maybe there's going to be some opportunity that I could be like, you know, uh, calibrating for. How should they be thinking about this? What what question should they be asking themselves? I, I think for workers, it's a huge opportunity because uh, uh, all the statistics show that unemployment, at least in the Western world, is all-time low. So there is a big opportunity for uh, workers to think about what am I good at, what do I want to do, what uh, what's, what I strive for, and, and really looking at um, reconciling work with their own purpose. I think this has been a very big topic post-pandemic, where by converging life and work, people are just saying, I don't want to have one that is exclusive of the other. I really want to have joy and, and, and purpose in both of my, uh, in, in both of my lives, my life, um, my personal life and my work life. And so this is one thing that, uh, uh, the current uh, state of the market is providing a huge opportunity for. I think at the same time, the question we should ask ourselves, us as workers and all our peers, workers out there is what am I ready to learn? And what do I want to be curious about? And going into that mindset that probably the diploma that I got out of school, it might be a good table stakes, but that's not enough for for me to stay relevant in the marketplace. So my relevance will come from my ability to stay curious, to learn new skills, and to be open to the opportunities around.
And what about retention? In the areas that are really, really in demand, it's going to be really important for worker, for employers to make sure that they keep the people in those spots. Um, what are maybe the three ingredients to retention that employers should be thinking about? Well, I think retention, people think often, oh, it's all about salary. Let's increase the salary. And indeed, we've done a, we've published a research where we show that salary is one of the reasons why people leave the company. What was very interesting is that when you look at the reason why people stay, in the companies, salary comes at the sixth place. It doesn't even make the top five. And in the top five, you find things such as career development. And it's very interesting to see that 77% of the people we interrogate, so it was dozens of thousands of people around the world um, that we ask, 77% says, I don't think I have the skills for the future. And so the majority of people now are looking at their company. Are you going to offer me the ability to grow my skill, to stay relevant? Are you offering me career development? That has made up in the top three reasons why I would stay in the company. So that's Point one. The second ingredient, I think, is about um, all that relates to mental health. Uh, also, we saw coming into the top uh, five reason why I stay in a company is companies who are where I feel that my mental health will be taken into account. And it's interesting to see there are so many areas today that um, people are just not taking advantage of the benefits that companies may put there. Um, and it has a lot to do to, uh, I believe, the culture. Uh, when talking about mental health is still taboo, people will just not uh, activate the benefit. For example, in that same research, we were seeing that only a third of the people would take the leave they are entitled in case of mental health issue. They don't dare speaking about it. It's, it's still a mark they don't want to carry. So I think this is another area that, uh, that we need to, uh, to look into. And obviously the, the one I'm finishing with, which is almost the one we should have started with, which is skills and development, where, where really we need to continue to make sure that we give the opportunity to people to develop to areas they enjoy. Uh, bosses probably would say, well, of course, of course we support mental health. And, and of course, we're you know, giving people great opportunities, right? But a lot of times they're sort of separated from what's actually going on. And, and, and that, you know, how can they sort of suss out? <laughs> what is the gut check to, to make sure that um, maybe that they are giving people the opportunity upskill or that they are uh, supporting and making people feel like their mental health needs are being met? What is the, the check they can see whether it's working or it's not? The managers have a very big role to play because you can institutionalize by a few principles how you want to um, take care of the mental health of your employees as a company. But it's very hard, to your point, to identify, do I do a good job? And there were also a very interesting statistic. I think it was 44% of the employees who felt that uh, their managers were not equipped to support them because mental health start by care and care has to be personal and if as a manager I am not in tune to what's your emotional state I think we start with a with a there is a breach in the kind of contract of I truly care about your mental health by the way, there is also, if you are cynical for just a moment, there is also um, a benefit for the company, which is when uh, um, employees are struggling uh, with mental health issue, they have negative emotions, they lose you know, attention to work, they make mistakes, they're negative. And so I think there is also, these are signals, yeah. I think for managers to say, hey, maybe I need to be 
closer to my employees and to really listen to where do they hurt. Yeah. Um, and some we can uh, do something as a company, some will be personal, but I think acknowledging and being aware of the personal situation is critical to really advance the situation on the mental health issue. You um, are a former journalist. Uh, how does that help you uh, in your work? Oh, well, I see news circulate. <laughs> um, I think what I carry with me, um, because I started my career as a journalist, is um, being curious, yeah. asking questions, um, and, and becoming unbiased to all the point of view uh, that you have in the room. And for me, it's been very helpful as a leader, especially when you position yourself not as an expert, yeah. but really as a coach. Sure. Um, and what I found when I was a journalist, um, especially when I had to do one-on-one -on -one interviews, Establishing that relationship um, it was super critical to really get the best of the conversation. And I think we were just talking about care, mental health. That's what we are asking the leaders. We are asking the leaders not only to be giving the clarity on the goals, giving the sense of direction, but also to be able to establish true relationship. And I think that I carry that from my past wor uh, work as a journalist. Is that sort of sense of curiosity, but also looking at the world like a journalist is looking for trends, looking for something that maybe hasn't isn't known yet. Is that would be a helpful thing for leaders as they look at where the roadmap might where the road might go for jobs for retention? Is that uh, something you would recommend? I think you are absolutely spot on because when you are a journalist, you're in and you're out at the same time. And I think the ability to put yourself on the balcony, yeah. to look at your own company, to look at your own market, yeah. to be able indeed to um, evaluate new threats, new opportunities, patterns yeah. that when you are inside, you may not be able to uh, identify. And uh, I am totally with you. That's why I believe very much into uh, the servant leader, the coach leader, who has that ability to take a step back, um, not necessarily a step up, because I don't believe in that type of uh, hierarchy, but more a step back and to really encourage their teams to find the solutions where they might not see it immediately. So absolutely, I think this uh, helicopter view, as we call it, being able to go up and look from a distance, as journalists may do, because they are outside yeah. of the core of the business, is a critical tray of the leader of today. Sure, sure. Um, is there a book that you recommend? Oh, um, recently I've reread a book uh, that is Radical Candor by oh. Kim Scott. I, I love that book and I think it was so timely uh, as we we get into even more uncertain times and uh, uncharted waters with the, you know, the crisis, the inflation, the, the war continuing. People more than ever, they, they need to feel supported. And being supported, and I, and I love that book uh, which, and the mantra of it, which is, care personally and challenge constructively. For me, that's also a mantra that I make mine because if you really care about your people, you need to tell them the truth. And if you really want to grow them, they need to know where they are in their development journey. And if you're not transparent, you are also breaching the trust. How would they believe you if you never tell them where they are on the spectrum? Uh, you know, or if you are too vague when you praise their talent, or if you're not specific enough when you are giving feedback on something they have an opportunity to improve. But if you do that with personal care and coming from the heart and respecting always the individual, I think this can do wonders into establishing first a very uh, healthy environment and work, but also driving great results. And uh, the last question, uh, what should leaders be prioritizing uh, in 2023? People.
And, and how so? You may have the best strategy in the world. You may have the best analysis of what's going on. First, you don't have a crystal ball. And second, nothing will ha ever happen in your company if your people are not lined up around you to make it happen. And that uh, absolutely touches, do you have the right skills at the right place? So are they ready to take on the challenge you need them to take on? So indeed, being clear on what's the capability you have in the organization. Do you have the right programs? to prepare them from what's coming, um, but also are they motivated? Are they going to follow you? Do they have their sense of purpose? So that's why I think it's all of the above, including mental health, skilling, career development, clarity on the purpose that you are bringing forth. And I think with all of that, you can bring your company to the next level. That was Valerie Beaulieu. Thanks to her and thanks so much to you for listening. A transcript of this episode and my colleagues' episodes, Radio Davos and the Book Club podcast, is available at wef.ch podcasts. If you liked this episode, check out the first episode from this year, number 67, with Mona Morshid. She's the head of Generation, a global nonprofit helping to tackle stubborn unemployment gaps around the world. She'll talk about tackling hiring blind spots and what's needed to overcome them. This episode of Meet the Leader was presented and produced by me, with Juan Toran as studio engineer, Jerry Johansson as editor, and Gareth Nolan driving studio production. That's it for now. I'm Linda Lucina with the World Economic Forum. Have a great day.